0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Because I Have a Live Mic here on Fluent Radio Radio. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. How y'all doing? I didn't miss y'all. We got a great show for you packed up today. We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs because they start to, uh, They start Monday. I was just, Lakers I was shocked. The Lakers are gone. <laughs> Ain't nobody thought the Lakers was going to make it. Everybody was like, the Lakers going to make it. like, no. Unless they have like a geriatric one. Yeah, sure, they're going to yeah. make it then. But we got some other teas in that how far the Bulls going to make it. I'm going to give y'all a hint. Not far and who I really think are winning because I'm gonna be honest with you so right now with the play in games it's became super weird now because they've been like weirdly stacked so to speak so like 1 through 6 is all set like 1 through 6 is locked up there's no moving forward 1 through 6 through everybody is all locked up ain't no changing that um so for the east 1 through 6 is Miami is the one they got the home court advantage through the east Uh, Milwaukee is 2, Boston is 3, Philly is 4, Toronto is 5, and Chicago limping in there at 6. For the play-ins, we got Brooklyn, uh, Cleveland, Atlanta, and Charlotte. That's for the East. For the West, we got Phoenix, who has the best record, so they got the number one. uh, They got the number one seed and the best record, so they got uh, home court locked up throughout the whole thing. So if they do make it to the finals, they got home court through all that. We got Memphis, Golden State, Dallas, Utah, Denver, and in the play in we got Minnesota, LA Clippers, New Orleans, and San Antonio. So for that, they all locked up, right? And out of out of like those twelve teams who already got they uh keys to the playoffs, I'm gonna be honest with you, the East is looking more stacked than the West right now because with the injuries to Golden State, I don't see them going too far. Um Honestly, everybody from five, from four down in the West, they not really, really competing with uh, with Memphis or Phoenix right now. Cause Memphis went on a streak with I don't think anybody thought they could do. I thought with everybody, especially when John got hurt, like everybody thought like, oh, they gonna drop either they gonna drop or they not gonna make it. Uh, they went I think like twenty one and two without John Morant. And that says a lot when your best player went down, and you still end up going, to, end up getting to the number two seed in the West, especially over Golden State, especially over uh, Dallas, who a lot of people thought was going to finally come back up. But I really say Memphis is Memphis it's a two team race in the West with Memphis and Phoenix, so that right there is all kind of locked up. And then we can see because Golden State can possibly come back, but I don't really see them making it to the finals this year, especially without uh, Steph. Uh, Draymond's on his way back so he should be there fine but outside of that like Dallas, Utah, Denver they are always either they're either or right like sometimes they're great sometimes they're not like right now they are not looking great and in the play-ins I mean LA the Clippers are the only real team that literally like shocked me because of the fact that Everybody didn't think that it was going to either be the Lakers. Like everybody thought the team from L.A. was going to be the Lakers, which I told you I was not going to be them. Uh, but the Clippers really came on because everybody thought they weren't going to be able to do it with Paul George out, with Kawhi. Reggie Jackson kind of really came into his own as, like, a true player, like a true reliable player. So, like, he really showed that he can actually, you know, play because I've been calling him self-check for the longest because you could always leave Reggie Jackson by himself and he going to end up messing his own stuff up. But with L.A., I really see like then can be like maybe a sleeper just to get to the seven seed because for people who don't know how to play in work. So the play-ins are between the seven, eight, nine, and 10 seed. So all of those teams have to play each other. So the seven and eight have to play each other. The winner of that team goes to be the seven seed. And then nine and 10 have to play each other. The loser of the nine and 10 games is booted out. And then uh, 9 and 8 have to play each other for the eight seed. So, out the West, I really see it being more... I don't see it changing, really. I really see, like, maybe... I may might see, like, the Clippers being number 7 and Minnesota being number 8 because I think the Clippers are just a little bit better team than Minnesota. I think New Orleans kind of came together because without the addition of Zion, I didn't even think nobody thought they would get to the play-in games let alone be in the playoffs. So I don't know if they can really do it. And I think San Antonio, I think this is, it's less about um, less about pop right now and it's more about the rebuild. Like they, they don't mind being in the playoff okay, but I really think they're trying to rebuild. So I don't really see them getting too far. So I think New Orleans and San Antonio end up getting knocked out. And I think they just flip. L.A. and Minnesota just flips. So I think that's that's going to be the West. As far as the East, the East is where it gets real challenging because you got Brooklyn, you got Cleveland, right? Cleveland's good, but I don't see them. I think them making it to the play-in with the team they have is far beyond their goals, right? Because everyone thought Cleveland was at least three to four years away from even being into the play-in. Now with them being in like the play-in and they got to go against Brooklyn, who finally has almost everybody back i really say i think ben simmons is going to sneak around and end up being in he ended up going to sneak around being in the playoffs like everybody's not going to realize it and then next thing you know he's going to sneak in and just start getting into the lineup but like as of right now i don't see him playing until like at least the first round of like the actual playoffs but i don't think brooklyn's gonna drop too far i think brooklyn's gonna win that game between cleveland and um Cleveland, and Brooklyn. As far as Atlanta and Charlotte, like, now, Charlotte, it's weird, right? Because Charlotte, they're sneakily good, right? Like, they like they just recently blew out the Bulls, but that don't mean nothing right now. The Bulls getting blown out by everybody. And then you got Atlanta, who I think a lot of teams, I think the whole NBA slept on because, like, they kind of got on that run last year where they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. They kind of had that remarkable run but then you know now they kind of once the pressure got onto them they kind of uh, folded a little bit and then they kind of silently slid into the playing game but i still can't see charlotte beating them so i really think it'll come down to like cleveland versus atlanta and out of that i really think atlanta will win so i think atlanta becomes the eight brooklyn stays at the seven so that ends up being an interesting matchup. It's a rematch from a few years ago between Brooklyn and Milwaukee when Milwaukee went on their run. And then it's going to be Cleveland versus Miami, which used to, which if this was like but 10 years God dang, that's 10, 10 years ago. I feel so old now. When my when uh, LeBron was in Miami, that would have been an interesting matchup. But now I think Miami's just going to wipe um, Cleveland off face of the playoffs. So that's going to be fun. Um, as far as Chicago goes, like, LaMelo, La, La, Lonzo, not LaMelo, Lonzo getting hurt really hurt the Bulls, and I don't think a lot of people really actually saw that happening, right? Because the Bulls were so built around uh, Lonzo, right? Because he was the one to be the ball handler, which freed up Zach and De, uh, DeRozan to kind of be able to do what they can do on the court, freed up Vukovic to be able to be the big man, even though Vukovic has a big man. That's the one thing that's the key thing that the Bulls really need to focus on this offseason is getting like a true big man cuz they don't have anybody that can go against the Giannis. They don't have anybody that can go against uh, Joel Embiid, right? They don't have anybody that can go even against P, uh Siakam right now, right? They don't have anybody that can bang those boards like uh those big men can and even though this NBA is still like a sh- this NBA is like a shooter's league, you still need a big man to go to be kind of do that dirty work in the paint. And Vukovic is more of a finesse big man than he is in a big, like, a actual big. Whereas, like, Tristan Thomason, I mean, unless it's, you know, doing a Kardashians, he can't really bang in the boards like he used to. So it's really up to, like, the Bulls to get, like, an actual big man. That's why I said, like, they going to be out the first round in this playoffs. Like, I don't think it's going to be a, a sweep. I think it's going to be six games. Like, I think they'll get two. At least one in Boston, and at least one at the crib, but like I can't see uh, Chicago being because Boston has come, Boston has slowly but surely kind of became one of the teams that's just slowly game on fire recently, right? Like Boston was like in the, like, at, I think want to say the beginning of April, not even beginning, like beginning of March, they were looking like they weren't even gonna make the playoffs and then they just went on fire and just slowly but surely like got up back to where they could potentially be which was a team that could win the championship which was a team that can challenge you know Milwaukee which was a team that can challenge Brooklyn for that top speed that top seed and they ended up getting it for a while but then they dropped to three but like I said I think they just outgun Chicago right now like I think eventually Chicago will figure it out because they still got the Rosen they still got Levine they still got Alice Caruso they just need to figure out that big man situation they can get that then they're good but I just, I just don't see Chicago winning this one. I think uh, Boston's going to win it. Um, Philly and Toronto is going to be a very tough series because that's the... Um, I will say Toronto is not so much the perfect team to kind of go against Philly because the way you beat Philly is you have to have like shooters and like an actual big man that can go against uh, and beat, right? And... The reason I will say this, like, everybody still kind of hold on to that last second shot that Ka- uh, Kawhi did when he was in Toronto, which knocked out Philly in the playoffs that, uh, like, in 2019, because they don't have Kawhi right now, so they don't have they don't have Kawhi to make those, you know, last second shots and who they're going to rely on. Like, they got Fred, they got Fred, they got Piasca, uh, Siakam, but I don't think, I just don't see them really doing... That well against uh Toronto. I don't think it's a sweep, but I think Philly knocks him out, maybe like a gentleman sweep. Um you got Milwaukee versus uh, we already did that. We got Milwaukee versus Brooklyn. This is gonna be more interesting because now we get to see Kyrie like unleashed, I would say. Like you get Kyrie, you know, you get Kyrie unleashed, he doesn't have to be be to those uh COVID restrictions, so he can't actually play in Brooklyn, which again I think this is what they were planning on, right? Have Brooklyn all the way down. And they make the great comeback, which always seems great for the storylines. But um, Milwaukee, that one's a hard one because it's just with the way Milwaukee is set up right now. I just don't see them losing to Brooklyn, and I kind of, I kind of want to say Brooklyn gets knocked out. It be it goes seven. I think it goes seven. If if Ben Simmons does not play, like, in any of this series, like, if he doesn't come back in, like, at least game three, then I think Milwaukee has the firepower and, like, the players to knock out Brooklyn again, like, for the second time in a row. They can't have them knock them out in the playoffs. And I just don't see uh, Brooklyn. It's, it's so weird because I just don't see Brooklyn being able to – Keep up with Giannis, right? Like they have uh, James, they have DeAndre Jordan, but he just hasn't really been the same. They have Blake Griffin, but it, it's not the same Blake Griffin, and that's the key thing you need if you want to beat Milwaukee. Like Phoenix showed it. Like if you want uh, Phoenix showed it for some of those games, if you want to beat Milwaukee, you gotta have a talented big man, right? But it's just going to boil down to like how can they actually hold on to Giannis and like keep him kind of contained if they can do that then they might be able to but i just don't see it i think really milwaukee is going to come out that um that series winning like i said it might go seven games it could go six it's going to be it's going to be one of those series where everybody's going to be like this is a series that might bring the championship out of because i think milwaukee has the capability of repeating but i just don't see it out of the east right now i think really like who has the best opportunity might be miami as far as the West goes, um, like I said, it's a two-team race, right? It, it's really just a race to get to the finals which between Memphis and Phoenix, right? Like, at this point, I think Memphis has proven, like, they're no longer just, like, the team that could do it. And you haven't seen, like, a city embrace Memphis like it has. Like, they played whoop that trick at the stadium one time, and, like, the whole city went crazy. Right? Like, Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies have, like, a Gulf Memphis culture into that thing, into that team. So... It's just a two-team race at this point, though. Memphis and Phoenix are the two teams who are going to come out, are going to be in the West Conference Finals, right? I don't see any team here. Like, if Golden State was at full capacity and full strength, then maybe Golden State. But at honestly, out of the West, it's just like it's no one there. Like Phoenix has proven that they're one of the best teams. Like Phoenix is on a mission to get back to the finals and win it. Like they got close enough to it where they can. Tasted and they want to get back to it, and that's why I think Phoenix is going to get back to it. Like Memphis could possibly be the key, like a dark horse in this game, like where they could at least get like at least three games. But I feel like if it came down to it, a seven game, I'd definitely put my money on Phoenix. Like Phoenix is coming out the West, that's that's you can put your money on that one. So that's as far as the standings goes. Now for the play ins, because the play ins do get a little weird, right? Because today is the last game of the regular season, so we do have some important play-ins for, like, seeding. So this is where it's going to get weird, right? So this is get this is where you break out the whiteboard and your little red yarns because it's going to get a lot of connective tissue going. So technically, Brooklyn is still the seventh seed, right? Because they own a head-to-head over Atlanta and Charlotte and a tiebreaker win over Atlanta and Charlotte. So they still have the seven. The only way they could drop if if Cleveland... If Cleveland wins and Brooklyn loses, then they can hopscotch them because, again, Cleveland is number eight. So Brooklyn would have to lose to to Indiana, which I don't see happening, for them to hopscotch them into the seventh seed, which would flip it a whole bunch because then now if you're uh, Cleveland and you're in the seventh seed, now that changes it because now you have Miami versus Brooklyn, so it would be a whole different matchup uh for Atlanta to hopscotch and actually put themselves in contention to be in the playoffs uh both Cleveland and Brooklyn would have to lose and Atlanta would have to win creating a four-way tie which would by, which would be Cleveland would be out in the ninth seed and then Atlanta would be the eighth seed so it gets more confusing after that because if Charlotte if Charlotte wins and then Brooklyn and Cleveland loses Charlotte, Hopscotch, Atlanta, because they have a tiebreaker over Atlanta, and they end up being the eighth seed. This is why the playing games is so fun and so confusing at all at the same time because you don't know really what's going to happen at any point. Like the West is so easy because the West is locked up, right? Like everyone in the West is where they're going to be, right? There's no changing it, right? This one is so more. It's more fun to watch because I love this part about sports, right? It's where the last game does matter because a lot of people were saying well now the play don't really the plans make the regular season not matter as much because you can still slide into the tenth seed and still have the potential to knock out some team in the playoffs right like it still matters for seeding wise because yeah if you're in the 10th seed you still have to play you know number one seed potentially right so whereas Brooklyn can keep their seventh seed and still be in it no matter what it's gonna be tricky. Because Brooklyn, like I said, Brooklyn has Indiana. Charlotte has Washington. Atlanta has Houston. And so those are going to get weird, right? Because Charlotte says um, Cleveland is the uh, – and Cleveland has Milwaukee. So Cleveland has Milwaukee. So all of the East teams still have a chance to kind of flip-flop each other. So it's going to be real fun to watch. And those games start pretty soon. So everyone's going to have to start watching that, right? As far as, like – like I said the west goes like the west is all locked up so it's no changing that. And that's the good thing about the west is that with it being so solid there's no true like dark horse outside of Memphis for Phoenix to beat. And I think like I said Phoenix is going to come out. I really think Phoenix is going to win this year just because the west the east is such a murder's row, right? Like there's no like real weak team outside of maybe outside of maybe Chicago that's like a true like team that I don't think can come out like anybody in you can make a good argument for Manwalk. you can make a good argument for me you can make a good argument for Miami you can make a great argument for Boston you can make a fantastic argument for Philly you can make a kind of good argument for the Raptors in Chicago but honestly those top four teams like any of those teams can end up getting to the finals that's why I said like the West is really hoping the East goes seven games for each of those, right? Because they can drain, they can beat up on each other and get to the West and barely win the title, right? Especially if you're, especially if you're a Phoenix who really just wants to get back to, that, to the finals because, you, like I said, you got that taste in your mouth. You lost it on, like, a game where you kind of collapsed, especially in that game six with Drew Holiday and Giannis, right? You kind of collapsed. So now it's just, like, we're so close, So now it's just more the lines of just sit back and let everybody like in the East destroy each other and then get to the top. But yeah, um, as far as like the East coming out, I really think it's hard because there's all these so many good teams. I really want to say I'm going to go with, you know, I'm going go with the Dark Horse and East. I'm going to go with Boston. I think Boston's going to come out. I think it's going to come down to maybe Milwaukee versus Boston in the uh, East Finals. It's gonna go seven games, but I think Milwaukee I think Boston's gonna end up pulling it out, getting back to the finals for the first time since I think Kevin Garnett era. So it's gonna be Boston and Phoenix and if it comes down to that Phoenix and Phoenix and five. I think uh, Boston has like the capability of doing it, but I don't see um I don't see Boston being able to keep up with Phoenix right now. Like with Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden, or rejuvenated Chris Paul, I just don't see it, so it's gonna be Phoenix. like Phoenix is your champ this year, so that's your NBA playoffs. So it's just, but I do want to talk about this because he did bring it up. So the Lakers are out of the playoffs, which I'm not shocked by. I'm not shocked by. It. Like everyone was so, everyone was so surprised. Like when they first started, I'm just like, no, like this team is not going. This team is not going to work. Right? It was. You know, you had Melo up on who he, I think it was on like Nick Cannon's show, and said talk about like, yeah, you know, if we can't make this team work, it's on us. Like, you congratulations, didn't make that team work. Like, and it wasn't, it wasn't for, and people are saying, like, who do you put the blame on? You got to put the blame on LeBron on that, right? Like, it, it's LeBron's fault. Like, he put this team together he put this team together he put it together he said like yo we're gonna get all these people together you know if we can't put it together ourselves and something's wrong with us and guess what something's wrong with you right and this does like i think non and of course everyone bring brings up this goat conversation because it's always going to bring it up does this hurt his uh category yes it does it's this the four years he went to the lakers you know everyone talks about it like the bubble championship, who again, unlike a lot of people, I still count the bubble <laughs> championship. It counts as a title. Whether they recorded it or not, it counts. But your first year you missed the playoffs. The second year you win the title. The third year you're out in the first round. And then their last your last year in the as a Laker, you missed the playoffs again. Like that definitely hurts your legacy as, like, you want to talk about someone as the GOAT, right? Like, and a lot of people were bringing up, well, Jordan missed his time in the playoffs when he was, you know, 37 in the Wizards. Like, yeah, but here's the thing, like, Jordan, Wizard Jordan was not LeBron, not Laker LeBron. Like, Laker LeBron led the league in points, right? Like, Wizard Jordan was just kind of there at that point. It wasn't the same. So, like, when you look at it that way, it's just like, nah, you can't compare that so that's apples and oranges to like where it is. Like this LeBron is still playing at a very high MVP-ish level, right? Like that Jordan was there, but it wasn't the same Jordan, right? This Jordan that, that Jordan was like meh and this LeBron is still playing at a certain level. So you can put the blame on LeBron's feet at that point, right? You can put it on like Frank Vogel and like the <laughs> Lakers organization for letting LeBron kind of play you know, general manager, and showing that eh, maybe it just didn't work. But yeah, you definitely have to do that. Like, and a lot of people are trying to figure out like where um where West is gonna go after this point. Where like, how are they gonna break up this team? Because you did eventually a uh, kind, not even eventually, you did mortgage your future for a championship now. Which again, you got one out of four, which is twenty five percent. It's not terrible, but. You put all of your eggs literally in this basket of we're going to get all of these stars together and then try to get a title this year, and it didn't work that well, right? Like, it did not work to what a lot of people thought it was going to be. And now it's just like you don't really have draft capital to move for, right? You're stuck with uh, Anthony Davis, who is hollow man, who can't play, you know, a full season. You're stuck with, you know, a LeBron, who's, I'm going to be honest with you, starting to look old, right? You're stuck with... Uh, I'm not stuck with Carmelo because carmelo has gone this year. You're stuck with uh, a bunch of teams that you – you're stuck with players that you don't know really who you have, right? Like, you have a decent future with maybe uh, Monk there. You have a decent future with KP, uh, KCP there. But it's just I don't know if you have the type of draft capital to rebuild now, right? Like, now the Lakers are going to be, for at least 10 years, like trying to rebuild around trying to get this team back to what it was, you know, a few years ago. So – you do got to place a lot of that on LeBron because of the fact that he did, again, mortgage the future for a title. Because we see now, right, like the, you look at the, the Pelicans, right? Like the Pelicans have basically all the Lakers on there because they traded them for AD. You have the Pelicans there. Like look at them right. Like the Pelicans are a good team, like a team on the rise. You have the Pelicans there, right? You have Zion there. You have Brandon Ingram who's really coming to his own, right? You look at Bra- what Brandon Ingram could have been on the Lakers and you— you always got to ask that what-if question, right? And then a lot of people are even asking that what-if question because, like, a lot of people don't know that supposedly LeBron blocked DeMar going to L.A. Even though I don't think DeMar going to L.A. would have changed much anyway, it would have been an interesting sight to see Lamar—I mean, DeMar Rosen with LeBron James on that Lakers squad. But I don't think that would have changed up much in between. I think it still would have been, like, yeah, the Lakers still weren't going to go anywhere. So it's just, I just don't see, like, how everybody can still kind of put LeBron in a GOAT conversation, right? like Greatest of, like, he's, again, a great stat stuffer, but right now it's just, like, if you want to put him in that GOAT conversation, it's hard to do it now with this, with this, right? And I know a lot of people are going to argue that factoid with me, but it's just, like, it's hard, right? Because, again, if if this was a Jordan-esque move, right, like, Jordan, you can even look at Jordan right now with the Charlotte Horns, like, they're coming along, right? They're starting to get better with with Lonzo, with with Miles Bridges. They're starting to get better. It's just now, like, you can see LeBron might not be the great general manager that he is if he still has to play basketball. I feel like it will be a great one when he can just focus on that aspect of the game, but right now trying to be a general manager and play, that's probably where it's going to hurt him at, so... I just think, I just really think that I don't see where the Lakers can go forward from this. Like, cause again, and what the thing is, like, LeBron's gonna be a free agent after this year anyway, right? Like, he's got one more year, and uh, he signed a contract to extend it. He's got one more year in LA. It's just now it's gonna kind of need like a novelty act. Because I think now LeBron, I think he's kind of just biting his time because he does wanna play with Bronny, which I think he's just now it's just him biting his time too. Like, it's just kind of extending it out a little bit more. So I don't know, maybe he might start thinking about maybe stepping it back and not playing as many games. Because, again, this is the first time LeBron really didn't play as, like, played that many games, right? Like, this is the first time, like, LeBron showed more, you know, human aspects of him, I want to say, if you kind of get that drift. Like, he looked he looked old, right? Like, he, he had the 50-point game and then had to sit out for knee sword. And so I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Like, he, he had the 50, like, you you get those every now and then, but then you got to sit out because he had right knee soreness. Like, that's something that's old, that's old man LeBron's going to have to get used to, right? Like, we can do 50 games, but you just might not be able to do it back-to-back anymore. And people were talking about, well, what if we shorten the NBA season? I'm just like, shortening it wouldn't work just because of that fact, right? Like, shortening it, like, shortening, they said, like, taking it from, like, 72 to 63 games like it doesn't short it doesn't help either way because now if you shorten it you're, what you're doing is uh kind of putting everything more in the bottom because when are you going to start the season right like if you shorten it right because now everything kind of relies especially with especially especially the nba playoffs they rely they always started in uh april right they're all gonna start in april and go to early may at best like may uh, Mid-May, like, June, like, that's normally, like, if it goes, like, that long, it goes to, like, late June sometimes, right, if it goes to seven games, especially with the finals. If you do that, like, it's just very much, like, shortening won't help the health-wise, shortening won't help the money-wise, because now if you're shortening games, there's not there's not lot odd opportunity to get teams like a Memphis team, like teams like in uh, teams like indiana teams like minnesota like those small market teams on more like national stage television right like now you make every team have to kind of fight for that national tv spot and that's never going to work out well especially because now teams like miami chicago new york i mean we also want to see more Knicks games right those bigger market teams are going to have to you know share the spotlight with people and i don't think that's going to work well But, yeah, it's just shortening, like, I think a lot of people always say, like, for health reasons why, like, they try to hide it under that. I'm just like It works, but it doesn't work as well as a lot of people think it does. So I don't know if shortening is going to work or not. But it's just now it comes boiled down to, like, what's next for LeBron after that. Again, he's already said that he wants to wait and play with Bronny, which, cool. I mean, Bronny playing with Bronny, I mean, that's cool. Everyone wants, I guess. But it's just now it's going down to where... Where do you go? Because Bronny still—he's not out of—he's co- not out of high school yet. He's still got go to go to—you know he's still got to go to uh, college because the NBA stopped that ru- uh, ruling. The NBA stopped the ruling from going like high school to the pros, so he has to play. He at least has to play one year in college. And just thinking about that time frame of LeBron, just kind of biting his time and have to play maybe in like Orlando or something like that. Or, which I—which I really think is happening. You just put the tinfoil hat on. He did this on purpose. Know tank the Lakers so that way they have a low draft pick. So when a time frame come, does come, Bronny just comes to play with the Lakers and just continue it on there. So, but at the end of the day, I just think if you want to say like LeBron had kind of hurt the Lakers, you have to say yes. So it is what it is. Um, speaking of hurt, like the Chicago Bulls really hurt me this year because they started off so hot oh my god the Bulls started off so hot and it hurts to watch them like kind of fall off where they did like now granted I didn't think they were going to stay the number one seed throughout the whole entire playoffs right like I figured they were going to drop down but I did not expect them to drop down the way they did right like the last four games they lost by double digits and to playoff teams right like Last Like last Friday, they lost by like 131 to 117 to the Hornets, right? Like, and the Hornets are good, don't get me wrong, but the Bulls losing the way they have just really irked me because A, you see the importance of Lonzo, right? Like Lonzo, I touched on this earlier. Like Lonzo was able to do the kind of free up Zach and Damar, right? To kind of free up. Like Damar was able to score all those points in the fourth because Lonzo was able to kind of be a ball control point guard right like that's what the bulls needed right uh kobe was good but he just isn't on the same level as lonzo right he isn't going to be the same uh distributor of the ball like lonzo was right and at the end of the day i think lonzo kind of proved himself to be more more of a ball distributing point guard which we needed and let, like I said, Zach free up to be the scorer that he can be. Let DeMar free up, you know, let Vukovic clear it up, right? Even with the returning Pat Williams, I don't see the Bulls, like I said, I don't see the Bulls going too far, but in the future, we really need to figure out what we're going to do with Vukovic and Kobe, right? Because if you move those two uh, two players to kind of get, like you can't really move you because you traded for him from um, Orlando to get him, So you can't really move him right now. He's still on the contract. But you can do something with Kobe to kind of free up some point, either cap space or either get some draft capital for him and get some point and get a big man out of college, right? Because the Bulls, it's weird, right? Like, they're in that weird transition state of they're technically still rebuilding, but they ended up going and getting two players in Lonzo, DeMar, and even uh, Alex Caruso who end up helping them kind of jump from what they were last year, which were in which was like 11 seed fighting just to get into the play-on game to now the sixth seed of the NBA playoffs so it kind of you can kind of see it, but you're still in that technically rebuild mode kind of, because you're still rebuilding for the future because this is kind of just like a stopgap where it's like you're happy to have these players, you're happy to have them there but it's just, you know right now you're looking, it's just like, we need to start rebuilding for the future because we don't because while we have Lonzo for two more years, we have DeMar for three, and we have Caruso for three more years, it's still, at the end of the day, what you're doing for the future. Because if you don't have anything planned for it, you're still going to go right back to where you were a few, a few a few, years ago where you're still fighting to get there, right? But it's just, with Lonzo being out, it was very hard for them to kind of rebuild like not so much restore, but just re kind of figure out their way their selves right cuz kobe like i said like you can see it in those games where they were struggling especially in those playing games like i mean it's not not playing games especially those last few like the month of march and like the few weeks in april it was not the same like it was early in the season like they dropped like a rock in the ocean when they were in the, when they were playing right it was just like it wasn't defensively there they weren't there right And defensively, they were never really there, but they had a chance. But offensively, they kind of fallen off, too. Like, they're not scoring as many points, because I think Zach now had to kind of step back into that position where he had to be the ball distributor, right? He had to be the guy who had to take control over the the game, right? And then with DeRozan, it kind of went from, like, he had to score all those points in the fourth, and now he had to score all those points in the fourth, right? He wasn't the same freed up. And then, like I said, once teams figured out that the Chicago Bulls can't stop big men, it was all over for that. Like once they figured that out, they just had everything in a hole. Like Vukovic again, he's a finesse big man. Like he can definitely score and he can definitely be out there shooting threes and like move the move the ball and everything. But as far as like being like in the paint and kind of fighting for those you know rebounds like that, he's that's not his game. And like even with the returning Pat uh, Pat Williams, it was just still very much still like not there, right? Like he's coming back and he's still trying to get his sea legs on under him, like and just coming back, especially now coming back in the playoffs where you don't have that much time to kind of get your sea uh, legs under you for the playoffs. Now you're just looking at like, okay, cool, I got this rebound off of there. Okay, cool, I can do it. But it's just now teams know, all right, cool, we getting a big man in there, you're good, right? So it's more on the lines of what they're going to do for a big man next year, right? Cause they need that, right? Tristan Thompson was not the answer. Like everybody thought he was going to be okay. He was going to be enough. The defense kind of have like a stopgap there, but it wasn't right. Like you can see it just was not the answer for it. And it's just more, more on the lines of fact or that you have to figure out how you're going to do this for the future. Right? Because this year you had somewhat expectations, but you exceeded a little bit you got to the playoffs now next year is going to be like people are going to start penciling in at like the dark horse team to win the title next year right people are going to start penciling you in to be within positions of power in the in in the nba east right now right and the east like i said is the toughest toughest conference right now in basketball so especially when you come to like teams like Miami with bam right you got teams like um, Milwaukee with of course Giannis you got teams like Philly with teams like um Philly with teams like Joel Embiid you got Brooklyn even still right if they can figure out how to stop those teams and get actual better like say once Lonzo gets back once Alex Caruso who's back but he's still not playing at the level he was when he first started in the season where he was stealing where he was taking everyone's ball where right? he was the defensive stop gap that he was right He's still trying to get his sea legs underneath him, too, because he just got back, right? If they can do that, I can believe that the Bulls are going to be a title contender next year, because this year, they're definitely not. Uh, but other than that, yeah, the Bulls have just really been not understanding. And then uh, Zach kind of came out and said, like, when they got booed last last Friday for getting blown out, like, you yeah, can understand it, right? And it's that's always still been weird to me, too. Like, I... I care about the Bulls, right? Like I am a Bulls fan, but I'm also not going to be like booing people for losing the way they did, right? Like I again, I love sports, but it's not going to take up my entire life like that where like my the whole day is messed up because the Bulls lost. I'm like, "Nah, it ain't that serious, dog." But speaking of rebuild, but speaking of rebuilds, can we we going to pause the NBA talk cuz I do have to talk about this cuz the Bears are still upsetting me. Now the Bears on the other hand, they may be able to ruin my day. Mostly because, mostly because the Bears just make very bad decisions on what they should do. Um, it's for a fact that they're in a rebuild mode, right? Like, it's in a rebuild mode to the, uh, this year, which was always interesting because Ryan Poules came out, you know, he came out when he first press conference and said, like, hey, we're going to uh, take the North and never give it back. I'm like, cool, but let's not do that because you just ended up Trading Khalil Mack for picks, which was not the greatest picks, but now you don't have any... You have draft capital now and to rebuild. You definitely need a receiver to go along with Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields, right? But it's just right now, you go get Byron Pringle, which, okay, cool, you get Byron Pringle. Uh, but honestly, I just see the, uh, the Bears being more on the lines of like in the basement especially this year right like we officially do that but the problem is like anytime someone has it's a rebuild it's like you never know when it's going to actually kick in right because you have Justin Fields but you only have him for like four to five years to kind of get used to an offense right like you got to get the stank of Matt Nagy off of him and actually have him capable of being like able to really play his game right like and again Matt even who I think will actually help the Bears out with again with the inside running game you know allowing the play action pass to kind of actually help him succeed a little bit more it works but like the problem for me is it's just gonna be hard to watch right like my mom said it best like all Bears fans are just masochists because we're just gonna keep watching knowing they're gonna hurt us but we're just gonna keep watching it anyway But I think, down of course, down everyone says, like, down the line, it has to work. But the only issue is you never know when the line is going to stop, right? Like, you can never sit here and be, like, pinpoint the time frame where the rebuild actually goes, like, okay, I see the rebuild working now. Okay, I see the rebuild there. It's just, like, you don't know when because they traded away too many of their picks, so they're not going to be in the first round. And this draft, it's it's not as deep as everyone likes to think it is, like, especially when it comes to like what the bears need. Cause the bears need a receiver. They need a, um, a cornerback and they need a new edge rush after like, after trading Khalil Mack, after not signing Allen Robinson, after getting rid of a lot of key pieces, they need to try to rebuild that. And they did do that somewhat in, um, in the free agency. Getting Briar Pringle was definitely a success. Like I think, Having a veteran receiver like that helps. I mean, St. Brown, uh, I mean, I would have rather gotten Marquez Valdez Scantlin from Green Bay if I'm going to go for a receiver from Green Bay. He's a bit taller, can, you know, has a bit more speed, and can out, actually stretch out over, like, DBs. But, again, St. Brown is going to be fine. I think he's going to work well with Justin Fields. I think his game kind of works more towards the uh, short yards passing game that they're going to try to, like, extend out. um uh, Offensive line-wise, they did get some help. That's the key thing that I think they need. Like, if Tevin Jenkins can stay healthy and Larry Brown can kind of come along, I think that's going to help out that offensive line, especially getting a tight end from the Jets. Like, he's, he's more of a blocking tight end, so they're going to need that to kind of help, especially with the run game that they're going to try to implement. But it's just, at the moment, seeing the Bears' movements is going to be really hard to watch because Darnell Mooney I think is going to come around and be like end up being like one of the better receivers that the Bears have seen in a long time it's just going to come down to like the development of Justin Fields and can they keep that can they actually push him forward towards getting that stink of Matt Nagy off of him so we're going to see how that works and then, again I I think the Bears are going to take the North I don't know when though that's the only thing it's going to be so hard to watch right Uh, but it's just going to be more on the lines of like can they Figure it out through a free agency, not even this year, but next year, right? Like when they have, you know, David Montgomery's contract is going to be up, right? Like he's going to be a key factor of what's going to happen, right? The offensive line is going to be the offensive line, especially with Cody White here, his contract going, not Cody White here, yeah, Cody White here and Sam Mustafer, those contracts being up. You have guys like Eddie Jackson who's going to end up having to be either restructured or let go because his contract is going to come due, right? You have all of these contracts that are going to come due, especially on that defensive side of the ball where they have been, you know, known to make their game, but now it's going to be more, can we transition from that to the offensive line? Especially, I mean, not offensive line, but offensive-minded state, right? Especially with the North kind of being in flux right now where, you know, Green Bay, you really don't know what their receiving core is going to be. They're kind of sort of flirting with the idea of bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. to the— to the Packers to kind of make it so that Aaron Rodgers at least has someone to throw to for those years that he just signed, right? You have a Minnesota where, yes, you have Justin Jefferson. Yes, you have Alan Thielen. Yes, you have Dalvin Cook. But you still have that big question mark act of Kirk Cousins who has come around, right? Like he's not as bad as he used to be, but he's still just for the fact that I don't trust Kirk Cousins as much as I do any other quarterback in the North, right? And then you have the Lions who – what do you do with Jared Goff? Do you you have two picks in the first round? You have, I think, like the second pick, and then you have the thirty-second pick. Like you have two picks in that round where you can actually go out and either help Jared Goff get him, um, uh, get him some weapons, get him some help on the defensive side of the ball. Because again, Jared Goff is is a weird quarterback because when he's good, he's great, right? Like when he's good, when he when everything is going well for him, perfect, right? Like everything can go fine. The only issue with Jared Goff is Jared Goff has a problem when things go bad, right? Like if the play goes awry a little bit, he's out everything's out the window. And that's when you see the Jared Goff that's threw like three interceptions in one game, in one quarter, right? That's why you see the Jared Goff who acts like he couldn't, who can't throw the ball if the play goes off just a tiny bit, right? So do you go get another quarterback who in this draft there are some decent amount of quarterbacks, right? Like you can get a good quarterback, especially at the 32nd pick in this draft, do you go get that and then kind of rebuild there, right? Because this whole division in itself is rebuilding too, right? You have Aaron Rodgers at Green Bay who's going to be still good, but now it's going to see, was it Aaron Rodgers that was great or was it Devontae Adams, right? Because, again, when you have Devontae Adams on there, a lot of other players are going to draw towards him, right? Like, they're going to draw a lot more attention, so it will open up the, res- open up the receivers for, like, Allen, you know, Alan Lazar, you know, mother Scandling, you know, it opens up for them. But now, what you don't ha- when you don't have a Devonte Adams, now what are you gonna do, right? You don't have Devontae Adams anymore. Now everybody's gonna be a little bit more spread out, and now it's just gonna be like, okay, can Aaron Rodgers actually pinpoint balls, right? Like he, I know he can, but is it was it more because hey, we had to double coverage him, so we had to roll the safety over to his side, so now it was man coverage over here, so of course he was able to pick up. A- pick it apart. Now it's just like, okay, we don't have to double cover. We can still play zone. We can still play cover three. We can still play cover four. We can still play man. We can still play all of these type of defenses now against Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to see. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the great quarterbacks, but I still, I think his numbers are going to take a huge hit this year. And that's why I said, like, a lot of people are asking that question of was it Devontae Adams? I really do think it was Devontae Adams. I think, again, Aaron Rodgers is great, but it's just... Now without Devontae Adams it's gonna be a little bit harder for him to prove his greatness, so to speak. Right? And now it's just gonna be like, Okay, we're good. But it's just this whole division in itself, it seems like every team is kinda of rebuilding. So there's no real key team that I think I'm gonna break out, right? Like I don't see like of course I think the Packers are the favorite to win, but it's not gonna be as big as it once was, right? Like whereas the Packers were like before the Devonte Adams trade, like favorites to go to the Super Bowl, now they're kind of like they're not—they're still favorites. It's just like very low right now. Now I think Vegas odds last had them at I think like uh, I think it was like four hundred and one, which for people who don't know Vegas odds like that, that means that they aren't. Let's just say, let's just put it like this, right? When Tampa Bay lost Tom Brady, they were I believe a um, thousand to two, which means that they for everyone who bet like ten dollars, you can get a thousand dollars off of that win now you would have to put up a thousand dollars for tampa bay to even get any money off of that just to the win because they went back up to like now it's like 10 and 1. so their chances of winning the super bowl went a little bit higher but yeah but this whole division itself is just in a rebuild and that's why it's more important for the bears to kind of take advantage of this now like i get it like you want to rebuild for the future but if you can take advantage of this now, like, go all out, right? Like, get Justin Fields, like, the help he needs, right? Go help, go for it, right? Like, if you have the money, which I think they do have now that they don't have the Khalil Mack contract on them, go get Odell Beckham. Just go get Odell Beckham and just give Justin Fields, like, you need Justin Fields to have a weapon there that he can rely on that's always going to be, like, the problem is, like, a lot of people thought that Odell Beckham was the issue Oh, you know, well, the reason why Odell Beckham got traded, no, like the reason why Odell Beckham got traded was because the Giants didn't want him. They traded him to Cleveland. Cleveland, for some reason, thought he was the issue with Baker Mayfield. And then he just goes on and just has a great season. Ends up getting hurt in the Super Bowl, but still win- ends up still winning the Super Bowl. And I would still take a hobbled Odell Beckham than half of the receivers right now, right? Like a one legged Odell Beckham is still better than most of the receivers in the NFL right now. So if I'm the Bears, I'm just going just go all out for him. Go out go all out. Get Odell Beckham Jr., put him together with Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney, uh, Cole Komet. Like have that have that tight receiving core, Brian Pringle as well. Have that tight receiving core together and then see where it goes, right? Because again, this division now is wide open, right? There's no telling what's gonna happen. If you and you have like a good, cheap quarterback under your contract right now right you don't have to pay him that much just go for it right if you do that like you never know what's going to happen right you can end up getting it not even maybe not win the super bowl but get to the playoffs where you haven't been since i think what 2011 well not 2011 i don't count the 2019 one i do not count that that was they fell backwards into the playoffs because they didn't have to do anything but not lose and then 2020 2020, they did these well. 2019, they were the three seed, which I still good like 20. I should say 2020, when they fell ass backwards into the playoffs because they all they had to do was win and they were in. They didn't win, but they everyone else lost and then they just like laid an egg against the Saints that year. Uh, outside of that, like I don't count that playoff game, right? Like you go, you know, you, you take that 2020 out. Take that one out, uh, but yeah, you haven't been in a few years, and now, like I said, you have Justin Fields, who again has a phenomenal arm, has a great running talent, who was just being misused in that Matt Nagy offense. Just go for it, right? <laughs> go all out, but yeah, um, uh, as far as like the other team, like the only other interesting storyline, like in the NBA, NFL right now, is the Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson kind of uh drama. Right, the the people are wondering like why are they why are the Browns keeping uh Baker Mayfield on the uh the roster? I'm like, well, because they're gonna keep him on there when Deshaun Watson gets that eventual four game suspension for all the allegations against the uh, against him. Like, they're gonna suspend him for four games, so why not keep Baker Mayfield there at least for those four games so that way you can at least you know still be in contention and then let him go then, right? That's what you do. That's why they're keeping him there. It's not that big of a mystery. That's the, they're keeping him there for that distinct reason. So if anything does happen to Deshaun Watson when he does, when you know the NFL comes down on him for the allegations, they have a quarterback there that knows the system, that knows what's going on. So you just keep him there and then you trade him. And I still say like his best landing spot would definitely be uh, Minnesota. I think Minnesota is the best place for him. He goes back to you know his old coach and Kevin Savansky. He has. You know, he can go back to where, which I think works for him better. I think Baker Mayfield is such a weird quarterback because a lot of people, like, kind of put on this Baker Mayfield, the idea of them in their head of, like, well, Baker Mayfield is this, like, brash quarterback who, like, you know, what was that? Like, yeah, when you were in college and you were still a walk-on, like, now you're, what, like, you were the number one pick, a Heisman winner. You went to the AFC Championship game. You took Patrick Mahomes to the limit – when you know in that game you're no longer that brash quarterback like you have to grow up out of that eventually right like you still have to grow up against this whole you know it's me against we're like nah bro like you prove that you prove to the world that you were good now you just down to prove to you know your teammates and win a game and especially when like important games right because it seemed like they always kind of hamstrung him right like baker never really had like the strongest arm but it seemed like they were hamstringing him to like he can't really throw like he wanted to right i feel like in minnesota he has kind of a little bit more freedom right like you can do because in minnesota it's literally the same thing from cleveland to minnesota right like he has a strong ring game with dalvin cook there right like he has a great uh kind of possession receiver Alan Thielen, right like in a guy who could take the top off of defense and um justin jefferson there so it would literally not be much of a transfer there plus he can play in the plus he can play in the dome where he's actually way better in the dome than he actually is um on like in like open field so i think if you do do any trade it would definitely be like uh now what do you trade for him from minnesota i mean he's worth i don't think he's worth a force a first round pick maybe like a second and third Maybe you do like a second, third, and fourth like trade your second, third, and fourth for him, but I definitely think he's he's not a first round pick, but he's definitely a high value draft pick type of trade. Um, and then the trade that really shocked me it, it I shouldn't say shocked me because it's smart because Kansas City traded Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. First of all, the Dolphins won that trade by the way. Well, the it, let me put this let me put it like this: both parties ended up winning that trade, right? If you're Kansas City, yes, you're upset that you lost probably arguably one of the fastest receivers in the NFL, right? Notice I said fastest, not best. Fastest receivers in the NFL. Um, But you got a ring. for You already got your Super Bowl ring. Patrick Mahomes has proven that he can play with almost any receivers out there. And you also end up dumping that contract because you pay Patrick Mahomes all of that money. Now it's kind of it frees up a little bit more money for them to actually play with next year right It frees up some money so they can actually go out and sign maybe some more receivers right they end up get did end up getting uh marcus valden scantlin so that's gonna help him that's gonna help patrick mahomes but it helps patrick mahomes because now you free it up right like sure everybody's gonna now have spaced out and then can still focus on kelsey but now if you're patrick mahomes you have the arm strength that can throw you out of a lot of situations, right? And the Dolphins won because they get another receiver that can help Tua if Tua stays healthy. They get a receiver that can help Tua take the top off of him, right? Because Tua is a great deep ball receiver, right? Like when he, I mean, deep ball quarterback. When he's healthy and his hip's not bothering him, when he can throw the ball deep, it's something beautiful to look at, right? Like when he was throwing to Waddle and Smith at Alabama, when, he was, when his hip wasn't hurting or when he wasn't out the game, he was on point with it. And now you just add one of the fastest receivers alongside uh, Jalen Waddle, who's going to, you know, in my opinion, have a great sophomore year. If, Like I said, but this all relies if Tua stays healthy. Like Tua is the key factor that if Tua does not stay healthy, I don't know if Miami, again, has the quarterback situation that they want to have, right? Because in the AFC East, you know, it's Josh Allen, the Patriots, Miami, and then the Jets, right? Like, Josh Allen is, of course, the best quarterback in that division. Mac Jones, we don't, I don't really know what to say about Mac Jones just yet. I think he's a good quarterback, not great. I think he needs better receivers than he does have. Like, Zach Wilson is the Jets, so it's not much you can do about that. But if Tua can end up being, if Tua can stay healthy and keep, um, in the game, like they can end up making the playoffs because I'm gonna be honest with you, somebody from the AFC, AFC East has got to make it out there, right? Because there's gonna be three teams from the AFC West that are end up going to be in the playoffs, right? Because you have Russell Wilson, in, um, Denver, right now with Devonte Adams in Oakland, he goes back to his teammate from uh, his Fresno State days with Derek Carr. You have, of course, you got um. You got the Chargers there with Justin—not Justin—with Justin uh, Justin Herbert, who again, who's going to have a great third year. I think, I think he figured out what type of quarterback he is. He's one of those risk takers. And then of course you got uh, Kansas City. Some, so it could potentially all four of those teams could be in the playoffs with it being three uh, wild cards. Potentially all three of those teams can be in the playoffs. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I don't think I. I don't think Denver is going to be there. I think people are hyping up Denver a little bit too much. I think Denver is not going to be as good as everybody thinks it's going to be. I think it's going to come down to like Miami begin in into that final uh, wild card spot. If they can – like I said, if Tua can stay healthy, if he can get on the same page with um, Tyreek Hill, which I don't think is going to be hard to do, and if that defense can stay good because that defense was sneakily good, if they keep that core team together – And they can get it working. I would not be shocked if Miami ends up getting the playoffs and not even just getting the playoffs, making some noise in the playoffs. Like they can, hey, have the potential to get to at least the AFC Championship game. It's just, can, if Tua does not stay healthy, Tua is the biggest question mark on that team. If he can't stay healthy, it's not, it's all over for him, right? Then Miami can't stay in there. And it's just at this point, like I said, the winners of that trade was both teams. I think Kansas City won a little bit more just because, again, they unloaded that Tyreek Hill contract off of them, so they have a little bit more money. And at the end of the day, I want to say Patrick Mahomes is probably better without Tyreek Hill than he is to get, than they are together, right? I think the difference between, like, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers is that Patrick Mahomes has proven to be better with less than, like, um, than Aaron Rodgers, because Aaron Rodgers has always kind of inherited great receivers over time, right? From Donald Driver to Jordy Nelson to Devontae Adams, whereas um Patrick Mahomes only really had Travis Kelsey, and then they got uh Tyreek Hill in the second round, which again he kind of didn't inherit that he ended up they ended up working out. But at the end of the day, I think Patrick Mahomes can do better just because he has that stronger arm that can throw out of situations that a lot of people don't think uh Aaron Rodgers can. So that's why I say, like, at the end of the day, I think Patrick Mahomes is gonna be ended up being way better for this type of trade than he is going to be with the Tyreek and then the um, Aaron Rodgers without Devonte Adams. It's all gonna come down to like who's gonna be, like I said, because he has the better arm. And first of all, again, I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes is better than Aaron Rodgers. I'm saying in this situation, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to end up being a step forward than Aaron Rodgers because again. Patrick's younger as well, so he has more time with these receivers. Whereas Aaron, his window is closing for that Super Bowl win, right? Like he's got that one in 2011, 2010, but his window is closing and closing fast. And I don't know if they have the time for him to wait to kind of develop a new receiver out of thin air in the Packers. Whereas you have uh, Kansas City, they have time. They don't have to rush it. They don't have to be like, okay, we got to get it right now. We got to get, you know, go out and find like a new top receiver, right? Like he can make a star out of maybe Valdez Scanlon, right? He can make a star out of Malik Hartman, right? He can make—he still has Travis Kelsey there. So he still has all the weapons around him. And again, he still has the mind of Andy Reid, who's going to make a star out of any receiver, right? That West Coast offense always makes a star. So again, not saying he's better. I'm just saying Patrick Mahomes is a better equipped to have less receivers than it is Aaron Rodgers. So that's all I'm saying, because I don't know if people going to misconstrue that. But yeah, that's all I'm saying. But well, ladies and gentlemen, that is my time. As always, shout out to Floor Radio for putting me on. Shout out to y'all for listening to me. Until next time, y'all, I got two fingers for y'all. Deuces.